visitor, it's so good to have you. Anybody else pleased that they came? Yeah, great. Anybody else? Do we have anyone else? So pleased to have you with us this morning. We pray God's blessing. It's also wonderful to have Pastors Charles and Joyce Sibthorpe with us. You're going to hear from them in a moment. They're going to bring God's message to us today. We love those who minister God's word because as we honor them, we receive life. It's such an important principle. If you honor those who come and minister God's word, that there will be a blessing. And I'm looking forward to a blessing. So I just want to honor you guys. You're amazing. Thank you for being our friends. But most of all, thank you for being the friends of Jesus all the way through your life. And I know God's got a word for us. So let's welcome Pastor Charles first, and then Joyce will come later. Thank you. It's so good to be here uh, today. We have always enjoy our time down here with Kingdom Faith here in Taunton. I mean, our um, connections with Kingdom Faith go back a very long way. And... Um, uh, I just want to tell you an incident that happened uh, a long time ago when I travelled, used to travel with Pastor Colin, drive his car, carry his bag, and uh, pray and support him. And uh, uh, we went to all kinds of different places. And um, on this particular time, we were having a, a mission in Manchester. We were having meetings in the Free Trade Hall at night, and the place was packed with people. But in the middle of this whole thing, um, Colin was invited to go to Strangeways Prison and to share a message with the prisoners. Now, the first thing that I was a bit puzzled with was because they said, you've got 10 minutes. Well, you know, if Colin can manage to get his message inside an hour, he's done well. <laughs> so I said, what are you going to do with 10 minutes? So I said, Colin, how, how are you going to deal with 10 minutes? He said... I'm going to ask for a 10-minute anointing. <laughs> so I thought, oh, praise the Lord, we're going to be okay. So we go into the, uh, the, the chapel or whatever it is in the prison, and 500 prisoners walk in. And it's not quiet, you know. Not Everybody's kind of chattering, and the whole thing is a bit of a hubbub. And I thought, dear Lord, you know, God, I'm praying for you. So uh, Colin stands up in front of them and says, it's good to be here today. I've got good news for you. God does not want to reform you. <laughs> and the coming, uh, the, the sort of laughter, suddenly everything went quiet. God wants you to die. No one breathed for 10 minutes while Colin shared just a powerful gospel message. God wants you to die. It's the same for us. So Joyce is going to pick things up now and I'll be back later. Okay, thank you. Great. Well, I want to start with telling you another story. Many years ago, some of you would have heard of a man called Kenneth Hagen. Hands in the air if you've heard of him. He was a real faith warrior. And uh, the story is told of him going back to a village where he grew up. Now, he had a very um, 
interesting skill, I would describe it, in that he could pick locks. And <laughs> as a child, as a young man, they used to pick the locks of the sweet shop. They used to steal sweets. And uh, these were a naughty gang of boys, and they used to do all sorts of things, pick locks wherever they went. So he goes back to this village a long time later, and he's sitting on a bench just reflecting on what the Lord's done in his life. And a, boy, a man comes up to him and says, Hagen, remember how we used to go into the sweet shop? And he looked this guy straight in the eye and he said, that man's dead. And he kept on saying, oh, no, you remember, you remember, you remember when we did this. That man's dead. And uh, I want to say to you, that was a wonderful, strong testimony, because he was dead. The man that he was, he no longer, no longer is. <laughs> you know, I get my verbs right. We have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, we live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, I sometimes think this is a truth which is being lost in the body of Christ because we're trying to reform people. We're trying to give them tools to make life better. And there's nothing wrong with that. But the essential nature of Christianity is that we die, but we are also resurrected. And I just felt the Lord really speaking to me as we were thinking about today about resurrection life. Because that's our trump card, folks. That's what we've got to give away. It's not good advice. It's resurrection life, life of a new dimension. And so I just want to speak a little bit about some of these things. Um, you see... I want to ask you the question, are you living constantly in peace and freedom? You know? The Lord asked that to me the other day. He said, are you living in joy on a constant basis? And I had to be honest and say, ah, I wobble. I live in joy most of the time, but actually life sucks and it comes on you. And if you're not careful, you're actually carrying the burdens of the world and you you just, uh, you lose that joy and that peace. And yet that is our great witness that we can be full of joy and people can say, what are you on? You know, haven't you heard the news? You know, well, yes, we have heard. We're quite aware of the awful things that are going on in the world. But we know the end of the story. You know, we know that Jesus is coming again. We know that he is the mighty victor. And he will be seen to be by every eye and every knee will bow. Now, we don't see that with our physical eyes at the moment. But in our spirits, we can see it and rejoice. So just a few things quickly. And then Charles is going to come and speak. Um, I found myself singing this old chorus. I was glad you sang about the, the Jesus one this morning. You know, I, when you started that off, I thought that's great. I often starting old choruses. Often people say to me, "Oh, here's another golden oldie." But actually, the words are great. And this is what I was singing sometime during the week. I am a new creation. Yes. No more in condemnation. Here, in the grace of God, I stand. My heart is overflowing. Some of yours were this morning. My love just keeps on growing. 
Here in the grace of God I stand. And I will praise you, Lord. I will praise you, Lord. I will sing of all that you have done. And so it goes on. So what, what keeps us from living resurrection life? That was my sort of question as I was thinking about this. I thought it is sometimes because we haven't really died. Now, I know that you're well taught and I know that you know that baptism is a symbolic act of going to death but coming up out of the waters of baptism into resurrection. But I sometimes think we're not preaching that strongly enough. We had a friend who was a very, he worked on the railways, he was quite a rough uh, manual worker, and he got saved. He'd been a terrible swearer. And when he went into the baptism pool, he said to the Lord, I'm leaving everything of that old life behind. He said, when I come up, I don't want ever blaspheme or swear again. He came up, he never ever added another swear word. It was his habit, but that habit was broken because it went to death, and he came up in resurrection. And uh, he said, if I'd really known the power of what that death meant, I'd have left a lot more down there, <laughs> which I thought was great. But I want to tell you about uh, <laughs> a friend of ours who, when we were working with Colin in Kingdom Faith, we had meetings on a Tuesday night which were open to the general public. We had a lady who came into those meetings and uh, when things started, the Holy Spirit really began to move, she would run. She'd, run. she'd run out of the room, she'd run into her car, and she would drive her car as far as she could until it ran out of petrol. Because she, she was trying to get away from something, but she didn't know what. Now, she was a believer, she was actually born again. And uh, Colin asked me personally if I would spend time with her and find out what the problem was and what was going on. And we did. We, I spent a lot of time with her. Charles also was that authority figure that she needed, and, and we both spent time with her. And lots of things came out. Long story, and I'm not planning to go into it. But we got to a point where we actually spoke to her about the sim symbolism of baptism and, and confronted with the fact that she needed to be baptized. She needed to know that the past was the past. And we took her down to Shoreham, which was the nearest bit of water to where we were at that time. And uh, she, she was trying desperately to get out of the car. She, her, her mind was saying, I want to be baptized, I want a new start. Her emotions were saying, no, this is too much. Well, we got her down there, and she got under the water, and basically, God put her to death. And she came up, a new woman. And she actually was full of joy, and she said she had been greatly abused at a sexual level. And uh, terrible things that she had remembered from her childhood. Uh, all of it, the angst out of it, the, the pain out of it left her. The memories, I don't think you can't always eradicate memories, although the Lord can do that too. But actually, she knew that the pain, the agony, the torment of it all, the shame of it all that we sang about this morning had gone. And she was a new woman. About six weeks later, maybe round about that time, she arrived at our house very, very early <clears throat> in the morning. We were all just getting out of bed. There was cornflakes all around the table, you know, the general breakfast scene. And she barged through our, our back door and she said, it's all gone, it's all gone. And uh, 
Charles was about to go out to a prayer meeting, I think, and I was left there. But he said, I can't talk to you now, he said. But he grabbed a piece of <clears throat> the end of the cornflakes packet. I can see it clearly. I got a pen, and he said, if you have lost it, it's one of these four things. And he said to her, you've either stopped forgiving, you've either uh, listened to the enemy's lies, you've either not confess what God has said about you. What was the other one? Obedient. Or you've been disobedient. And he wrote them, scribbled them down on the back of the... Because they were revelation. Yes. And she said, got it. It's, it's forgiveness. <laughs> you know, one, two, three, four, checklist, you know. And she didn't, even, she didn't even stay. I mean, she was a person who would hang around for hours. She just said, I'm okay. Off she went. And she was okay. And the rest of her life, she's been okay. And she's a very strong, active woman of God in the church where she lives. So this morning, we want to give you one of these little booklets, because we made it into a booklet. just gives you the scriptures, and it's called Keys to Freedom. So if you want to stay living the resurrected life... Put that into practice and you will find more and more and more that you have got the resurrection, power of God working through you, letting go of the past. So, number two, um, I believe that you are taught to be filled, baptized in the Holy Spirit. I can't believe you've heard anything other than that. But I moved in circles, we moved in circles for many years where that was not emphasized. And so the emphasis was on be good, try harder, uh, follow the rules, live the life that you know you're supposed to live. And of course you fail, because we can't do it. It's only the resurrected life that can actually live the Christian life. It's only the resurrection life that can please God. Uh, It's not our trying. And sometimes we can wear ourselves out, trying, 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 trying. For me, and I would say for Charles as well, we, we had been Christians a long time. Um, we sought to please God. But actually, when we receive the power of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, call it whatever you like, I don't mind, but really, the person of the Holy Spirit came to live in our physical bodies and life changed forever. I mean, joy, great joy was there, but actually there's so much more wisdom, expectancy, hope, uh, the supernatural dimension, God can do anything. We were running at the time a large youth group down in Cornwall, and I remember a girl came to me straight away, and she said, if, you know, she said I, we told everybody what had happened to us, and she said, if God is living within you, then can he heal my ears? I'm deaf in one ear. Can he open my ears? Now, nobody had ever talked to us about healing, but the answer was yes, the Holy Spirit can do anything. And we laid our hands on her, and I, I inside me, I'm saying, talking to the Holy Spirit, saying, what do we do? Because, you know, no, there's no prescribed way of doing anything. What does he want you to do? And he said, just speak to the ear and say, be opened. And it was open like that. Of course, she tells everybody else, and then everybody who's got anything wrong with them starts to come, thinking that we've got the, you know, the power for the hour. But we hadn't got anything, in a sense, but we had the Holy Spirit. He has the power for the hour. 
And somehow, once you actually realize it's not anything to do with you, it's death to the old you, and it's resurrection life, bursting forth, coming forth, doing what the Holy Spirit wants to do at any given time. So um, let me just read you. uh, I I, I put down here, I felt alive. You know, I've been a Christian for a long time at that stage. I think I was about 22, 23 when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I was saved at 11. So I'd had you know, those years, but I never understood that the power of God was inside me. He would never leave me. I used to think that when I'd really been messed up, you know, he'd jump, he'd jump somewhere. I don't quite know where, but actually, you know, I realize now that he will never leave me, never forsake me. He's there. He's there. He corrects. And I would say that when we were baptized in the Holy Spirit, we were given a very tender heart. I can remember being, I wanted fireworks. Charles didn't want anything. <laughs> Fireworky, he's not that character, you know. But I wanted, like, wanted to speak in tongues. I wanted flames of fire. I wanted absolutely everything, you know. Well, I didn't get anything of that because God wanted me to value what he had given me, which was his presence, a real understanding that his presence was there. And that was a miracle in itself, just to constantly know, night or day, that his presence was there. But I did feel that he had circumcised my heart and my ears and my mouth. And we went back to our room and we knelt down and we began to pray and we began to confess things that we'd been unaware of, but the Holy Spirit was putting his finger on saying, you know, what about that? What about that? What about that? And we just found ourselves weeping and confessing, you know, gladly confessing and getting rid of things that were not helpful. And then I remember the joy, just, oh, exuberant, exuberant joy just coursing through us because we were convinced that God had answered our prayer, that we had waited to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and in understanding that he was longing to give us his spirit and all we had to do was believe and say thank you and when we did the joy burst forth and later the tongues came and the other gifts of the spirit started to be manifest and I just want to say to you don't try to do things on your own don't try to be good (laughs) you know you can't be you can't. You can't. There's an old Amy Grant song, and she said, I'm not trying. Oh, I can't even remember the words now, but she's really singing about, I'm not trying to keep the rules. I'm not trying to be good. I'm trying. I'm not trying. I've given up on that. I'm just letting the Holy Spirit live through me and release his power through me. Then you can walk in joy and peace because it's not you performing. It's the Holy Spirit flowing through you and moving through you and giving you what you need for every single situation. Amen? Um, I've got a scripture down here that I just want to uh, read to you. This is Romans chapter 1, verse 17. For for the gospel of, of the righteousness of God is revealed... A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. And it is written, the righteous will live by faith. It says in the message version, the person in right standing before God 
will be trusting him, by trusting him, really lives. That was the translation I wanted. The person in right standing before God, by trusting him, will really live. And my prayer for the body of Christ is that people will really live. You know, I think the, the thing, miserable Christian, is actually anathema, you know. I'm not saying that we don't go through difficult circumstances. I'm not saying that you haven't got things that you need wisdom for. But I'm saying that in the midst of all of that, you have someone with you who is wiser than Solomon, who will give you everything you need, who will direct you and tell you how to act in a particular situation. Um, uh, just, you know, sometimes we get stretched. And uh, I remember coming back from a ministry trip in Burundi and coming back into my own house. There were endless um, messages on the telephone and then and I was you know, on the answering machine. And then this a lady came through and she said, I've got this lady that I've been witnessing to and she needs deliverance. And she needs deliverance like now, of now. And she said, will you see her? And I just, in my heart, just sank at that moment because I wanted to help and minister deliverance to this lady if she needed it. But on the other hand, I knew that I was just back from an overseas trip. I was moving to my son's house to look after their kids. It was like endless. And I had the calendar beside the telephone. I'm looking at it and I said, I just can't see her. I said, I can't actually do anything for a fortnight. And uh, I just felt awful, but I sent a prayer up to the Holy Spirit, and I said, but what do I do? If you want me to minister to her, tell me what to do. And immediately he said to me, tell this, the lady on the phone, tell her to bring the woman who needs deliverance along to the prayer meeting on Tuesday night. And if she needs to, oh, I don't think she'll come to a prayer meeting. I said, well, if she's desperate for deliverance, she'll come to a prayer meeting. And she came. And actually God ministered to her, not necessarily through me, although I did pray for her, but through the whole body. You know, they ministered deliverance and freedom. They were sensitive to her needs. They spoke out prophetic words, and she got what she needed. Do you know? But at that moment in time, the pressure was, oh, how are we going to do it? You know, right, I must be quick. Keep going. <laughs> I'm not good. Um, so I want to encourage you, if you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, then ask the Spirit to fill you afresh, to stir up all his gifts. You know, it's great to hear tongues being sung this morning, but, you know, keep the gift of tongues. You don't know what you're praying, but you're building yourself up in your most holy faith. And uh, you're strengthening yourself. And Actually, it's like oil. It's like the machinery going, going, going. When you need that word of wisdom, when you need that word of discernment, when you need what you need in the toolbox, the Holy Spirit is already stirred up and he will give it to you. Amen. But don't don't play with it. You know, I think that's why the Lord didn't give me the gift of tongues, you know, immediately, was because it's easy to play with things. Oh, I've got it. I've got it. Well, if you've got it, Keep it and use it. Use it and build yourself up with it. Enough said. Um, We're carrying Jesus wherever we go. And I read this psalm this week, and I'm going to read it to you. It was in my daily Bible reading plan, and uh, it really impacted me. 
Psalm 94, and in the message, it's verse, um, it's verse 16 to 19. If God hadn't been there for me, I would never have made it. The minute I said, I'm slipping, I'm falling, your love, God, took hold of me and held me fast. And when I was upset and beside myself, you calmed me down and cheered me up. <laughs> Amen. So read the word. Read the word. It's surprising how much will jump out at you when you're least expecting it. And remember that you are carrying Jesus wherever you go. You know, it's an incredible thought that. You are changing situations because you have the living Jesus, the resurrected Jesus inside you. And you may not think you're doing anything, but you are. I think it was earlier on in that psalm. I'll just see if I can find it a moment. Um, Yes, how bless the man you train God, the woman you instruct in your word, providing a circle of quiet within the clamor of evil. Isn't that amazing? You provide a circle of quiet within the clamor of evil. So in your workplace, you provide a circle of quiet. In your school, you can settle people down. You know, everywhere you go, you can carry Jesus. And actually, if you're carrying the joy and peace, it's it's evident. And people, I find people looking at me as much as staring at me. (laughs) Some of our new neighbors, I think, I see them looking at me and I think, what are they looking at? But actually, do you know in the old um, pictures of Jesus and the saints, they had a halo, didn't they? (laughs) So you've got a halo. All right, it's not painted like this, but it's actually the Spirit of God, the presence of God is actually creating a field around you which can influence people. Amen? Yes. Good. I have to keep my eye on the time. I am, Charles. (laughs) Um, I think I'll leave it there. Right, living the crucified life. You know, the, the verse that Joyce um, quoted a bit, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives me. And the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, there's so much pressure around today for everybody to be achieving and to having goals and having things that they're trying to do. And um, a, a friend of mine, uh, somebody who we knew many years ago, a man called Len Moles, uh, he was, there's a, a mission organization called WEC, Worldwide Evangelization Crusade. He was the kind of... Um, you know, whatever, the, the top man. When I met him, he was running the thing. But he was a missionary. He was in Nepal. And uh, he, was, he was a very enthusiastic guy. And uh, he had got all his team together. And he had, he had the plans, how they're going to evangelize the whole of Nepal. And there he was with his, you know, his flip charts 
There weren't any of these things in those days, but he was there telling everybody all that they were going to do, how they were going to take Nepal for God. And there was a, an older man, an older missionary, who'd just come to kind of spend some time on the field. And he, he was chatting with Len afterwards, and uh, he, uh, in the conversation, Len said to him, uh, you need to see the sunrise in Nepal. You've never seen a sunrise like it in your life. He said, that's great. He said, well, do it tomorrow morning. So the old missionary and Len got up at whatever time of the day, five o'clock in the morning, and they began to go out to go and see this sunrise. And the older missionary said, um, Len, uh, do you know Galatians 2.20? Oh, yes, of course. I mean... He wouldn't know Galatians 2.20, I mean, he's such an enthusiastic missionary. I have been crucified with Christ, boom, 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 boom. He said, um, that verse says, nevertheless, I live yet not I, but Christ lives in me. He said, I watched you yesterday, all your ideas for bringing the gospel to Nepal. It was Len, 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 Len. One idea after the other. He said, but I didn't hear God's plans. I didn't hear what he wanted to do. I heard what you wanted to do. And he, Len said, I didn't see the sunrise. He said, I was just on my knees, on my face before God, there on the mountainside in Nepal, realizing that I needed to know what it was to be crucified with Christ. Now, I read that in a book uh, many years later, and when I met Len, yes, he was the crucified man. He was just such a, a, an anointed man of God. He'd learned the lesson. He allowed God to flow through him. And there was such an anointing on his life and in, he was one of those mentors. I mean, he's been in the glory for many, many years. But uh, I remember meeting Len and just thinking, when I read that book, I thought, ah, I, thought, I can see the secret. I see what happened to you. And that is what we're saying, you know, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, um, as Joyce has said for us both, such a life-transforming uh, experience because you see, uh, I come from a very conservative, um, brought up in the brethren. I thank God for the brethren because when it comes to the Word of God, they're wonderful. I mean, reading the Word of God, knowing the Word of God, just they knew they knew the Bible, you know, front and back. But there was such a kind of heaviness, and there was something lacking in that dynamic power. And, uh, I mean, I was a bit of, I was a bit kind of, I mean, when Joyce started meeting spiritual people, she was sort of off like a racehorse. And uh, I, I was thinking, oh, dear me, you know, I've been, all my good brethren teaching, you know, here am I, kind of kicking over the traces. But as I began to meet more and more people who were filled with the Holy Spirit, who had met the crucified Jesus. I thought I needed it. I mean, the thing is this, the thing that really kind of crunched it was my sister. 
um, younger than me, she was Carolyn, and she had gone to college in Cheltenham. And actually, she had a broken engagement, and off she'd gone to college, really quite broken. And when she got there, she discovered there was a group of people who had been praying and meeting together and had been filled with the Holy Spirit. And Carolyn comes back full of enthusiasm and starts to tell us about the power of God that had been released in her life. And I listened to it too. Now, I'll tell you the thing that really clinched it for me was that her Bible was falling to pieces. And my Bible wasn't falling to pieces. Now, this is one of my Bibles that is falling to pieces because when you, when you meet the Holy Spirit, when you receive the crucified life, well, you need the Word of God. And so this is one of my falling to pieces Bibles. And so we, we met uh, Holy Spirit and God transformed our lives. But it, just to go on into this verse, in Galatians 2.20, we tend to read chapters. So you get to the end of that chapter, but it then says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? I think I probably maybe, but... You know, last time you saw me, I had glasses. Since then, I've had cataracts, um, which have been brilliant. I've had my cataracts done, and I can see everything except to read. <laughs> you foolish Galatians, this is uh, Galatians 3.1. Who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was betrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or believing what you heard? Are you so, um, are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, you are now trying to attain your goal by human effort, and that is a reality. I mean, we've talked about being filled with the Spirit, and I know that that's the basic, you know. Philosophy, theology—it's a ground. It's a—it's a, a foundation here. So you'll have—you'll have been challenged to be filled with the Spirit. But the question is this: Have having received the Spirit, are you trying to obtain your thing? We can go back. We can start doing it our own way. I mean. <laughs> I have a rather um, funny story. This is kind of family story. Um, my grandfather, um, we came from Cornwall, and my grandparents, um, they, uh, they began the, the mines. This is between the First and Second World War. And in the 20s, the tin mines closed. And they were starving. There was no... You know, there wasn't any social services around those days. These guys were just didn't have any food. So my grandmother would make soup. She makes soup that was had so much in it. It was a meal in itself. And they had a room above their garage, and they invited the miners to come and have soup. My grandmother gave them soup. My grandfather gave them the gospel. And 
they just saw hundreds saved. Of course, some of these miners were completely ignorant and they were illiterate. And so my grandfather started to, to get them a Bible and then he would work along with them to help them to read. And so these people, not only they got saved, they were reading their Bibles. And uh, the story goes, one day he goes into this house of this lady and she says, how, you know, how's he, do-? you know, her husband had got saved and how's he doing? And, oh, she said, yes, he's doing so well. She said, and, uh, he stopped reading the Bible, he's reading the newspaper. <laughs> I don't think it was actually as bad as it sounds. It sounds terrible, but... Uh, the fact was this, that he was actually making good progress. But it's always one of those, it's family folklore, the story of the person who stopped reading the Bible and stopped reading the newspaper. <laughs> so, so, you know, this whole business of uh, getting back to human effort. You know, we can so easily want to rely on our own, even our own good Christian experience. I had a dream a few years ago um, uh, about, you know, knowing if I got a word. When I used to go away uh, ministering, on a traveling ministry, I used to take a, a briefcase and I used to take lots of notes it was almost as saying, you know, I hope I've got a message, <laughs> you know. Well, I've got some messages here. They're, 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 I can always go back on something I've preached before if I, if I kind of get lost. And in my dream, I went and I, my, my briefcase was sort of sitting on the ground. I went over to my briefcase, picked it up. It was empty. All the notes had gone. I was a bit panicky. And the Lord spoke to me and said, I have a fresh word every time you speak. You don't need the old words. Chuck them away. And I've lived by that ever since. Because God's always got something fresh for every single one of us. Because when we live this crucified life, there is a... There is an infilling, there's a, there's a presence that comes in every situation of life. God is always there. He's always got something to say. And he's always ready to work. I mean, there's another testimony um, about when we were filled with the Spirit. Joyce told the testimony about one of the young people who had a, um, an ear healed and, uh, and opened. And... Um, we came back from, we went to, we were in Ireland when we got baptized in the Spirit, and we were, we were back home again, and of course we were full of it, and uh, talking to everybody. And one of our friends uh, was listening and said, um, well, it's wonderful you talk about God's miracle power. I can't take the train from Cornwall out into Devon and Exeter because when it passes the sea at Dawlish, the war, I've got a fear of water. And I can't even sit in a train beside 
the, the water at Dawlish. I don't know if we've ever taken a train past Dawlish. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful scene. Uh, and we said, well, that's not right. You can be set free from the fear of water. So we just, you know, in our, as Joyce says, in our kind of, we were totally, didn't know what to do. You just sort of did whatever you thought was right, you know. And that's a good thing. Because when we've got a technique, it's not good. So when you've got someone, you think, well, Lord, we're going to pray for this person to be set free from a fear of water. And we just, we probably laid hands on her and we just prayed a prayer. Just set this friend of ours free from a fear of water. Because that's not right for her to be having fears and carrying them around. And, I mean, didn't see anything happen, except she got on the train a few weeks later. Oh, she said, I sat on the train as we went through Dawlish, watched the sea. Oh, just loved every minute of it. And that was because she had seen the power of God. We just got another, um, something lovely is happening around the world at the moment, um, and the way I need to tell you this story is to talk about my grandson. My grandson's called Campbell. And Campbell, he's actually 30, and he's a worship leader. And he's got a real anointing on his worship leading. And um, he's living in London at the moment. And he was on a bus, just going from one place to another. And he passed this church called Hackney, Saint at Hackney. Uh, Hackney Church and the Lord said to him you're going to be leading worship in there and so he thought well if that's what the Lord says we better start going (laughs) so he went there Uh, he's got a wonderful servant heart so he went there didn't talk to them about his worship leader or anything so he just come along he said can I help you he said my work is he's he's a songwriter and a musician and a composer and he does other odd jobs to keep you know the wolf from the door as it were and uh so um he just said can i help you he said you know i've got some free time so well our our, um the the garden is a bit of a mess it's okay i'll come do the garden so he went and did the garden and then another time he was there and they said well here's some programs and things would you like to give them out so he says that's great stood at the door and handed them out and then suddenly discovered that he actually played uh, a guitar and he was a worship leader so well would you like to be part of the band so he said fine so he joined the musicians and then it kind of came out that he did actually lead worship so they asked him on this particular day to lead worship and as he was in the middle of his worship leading uh, the instrument uh, the, system, the power system the instrument failed so in other words no one could hear his guitar but Campbell just kept on worshipping kept on leading worship and the, the, part, the leader of the church was totally gobsmacked he said if that happened to me he said I'd have stopped he said, well, you, haven't, you don't need to stop for an instrument, just keep worshipping. But another part of that is that because he has learned to follow the Spirit in the worship leading, um, you know, they, you've got a few songs you want to go, but you can go anywhere. 
you know, when it comes to the worship leading. And uh, he began to say, folks, you know, they were saying, well, what are you going to do? He said, well, we're just going to go where God leads us. And folks were getting a bit sort of freaked about that. So um, he was just trying to just show them that we follow the Holy Spirit. We don't necessarily follow the song list. But the interesting thing is that there's a move of God going on in America, in the university, it's a place called Asbury, and the, the, the leader of his church, a guy called um, Al Gordon, um, he, he, he had friends in Asbury. So he said, well, I'm going to go over there and see what's God doing. So he got another colleague from the church, and they went off to the States, and he went to Asbury. As he was going towards the church, he took to his friend. He said, we need to be sure that we're right with God. He said, I almost feel if I walked in that church and I wasn't really, you know, in the place I needed to be with God, I might not, do, I might not live, you know. So he and his friend found a little room somewhere and they just went in there and they just got on their knees and they got Psalm 51 they said we just need our hearts right and when they got their hearts right they went through the door and uh, he said it was just quite ordinary in some ways except the presence of God was there there wasn't any kind of he looked at the musicians he said oh my musicians back home are better than this lot it wasn't the musicians it was just that the God was there and Al Gordon and his friend just sat there, and they were there for two or three days. And God just met with them. And they'd come back to the church. And so they normally start their evening service at 6 and finish at 7.30. Well, they were still there at half past 10. And, uh, you know, they now understand Campbell and how you lead worship. You just flow with God. And so we're quite excited, and we chat with our grandson every now and again. We, you can tune in on um, YouTube. It's called Saint at uh, Hackney. And, oh, they've seen over 100 people come to the Lord in the last three or four weeks. So that is absolutely tremendous. Right, hallelujah, hallelujah. Um, I just hear, it says in Psalm, in Isaiah 15 verse 4, the Lord just laid this on my heart as I was just preparing. The sovereign Lord has given me a instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. I want to say to you that when we follow the Lord, when we live that crucified life, we can walk into any situation and God has got his word for us. And it's amazing the way he, he can guide you into a sort of a situation of surprise. Uh, um, we were down in Cornwall um, last week because um, our grandson got married. And um, it was a wonderful occasion. And he is married a young lady who's Pakistani. And um, it's been fascinating uh, watching, uh, first of all, watching our grandson, Reuben, who um, 
is, is a bright lad. And, but over the last probably eight or nine years, he's really struggled with epilepsy, and it's been a, a real battle. And in a sense, in his weakness, he has sought the Lord. He has been really building his faith. And it's been a delight for us to see this young man who, you know, at about 13 knew he could, you know, he could rule the world at 13. But you, now he needs the Lord. And so uh, that's been great. And then he brought, the Lord brought him in contact with this lady called Maha. She is just a delightful believer. But the interesting thing about the Pakistani culture is that it's, chaperone and all the rest of it I mean for Reuben to kind of pursue this relationship towards marriage there was a load of hurdles that had to be climbed and we have I just said look praise the Lord for the way that he has realized to walk in the way God wants you to walk he gives you grace for every situation you don't say oh we don't do this in England her father said, you know, if you want Maha, I mean, actually, when he went to ask for her hand in marriage, uh, Reuben goes to um, Salim to say, you know, I want to marry your daughter. Sits down and says, um, you know, Maha and I, we're in love with each other. I want to marry her. He said, your parents should be talking to me about this. <laughs> so he said, well, I mean, he said... Um, well, actually, this is the culture that we have that I do the asking. And then he said, well, I need to uh, pray about it. I need to talk to my family. There are other men who would like to marry my daughter apart from you. And because uh, actually there are arranged marriages in, in the Pakistani culture. Well, hallelujah, they got married a week ago. <laughs> and so we've, we've kind of, you know, we've overcome that, uh, overcome that one. Uh, so that was a, a real blessing. Um, but just, uh, I almost forgot why I told you the story. But um, we were down there to just to help, you know. To, we were driving people here, there and everywhere and, you know, setting up the reception and stuff, just working. And we were on our way in to Truro, in, where the reception's. And... Uh, I just turned to Joyce and said, uh, we have a, another granddaughter over here called Olivia. So we haven't talked to Olivia um, recently. Well, she's, she, we knew she was in Truro having a few days break. So Joyce just picked the phone up and, and dialed the number. And um, Olivia comes, how are you doing? I'm okay. Well, she wasn't okay. Tears were flowing. And so Joyce just spoke to her and said, well, actually, we're... We're 10 minutes from where you are. Just get out on the pavement and tell us where you are and we'll pick you up. And Joyce was able just to meet that need. I don't go into the uh, situation about what it was all, but she was very upset. She needed, <laughs> she needed a word to sustain the weary. She needed some love. She needed some comfort. And that's what God is doing. Yes. When we live a life where we die and he lives, 
where we're not relying on our own ingenuity, but we're relying on his spirit, then we are available for every situation that's happening every time. And our hearts today, as we have just sought to the Lord for, um, for what he wanted today, was that we will be people who are not relying on our own strength. We're not headstrong and full of our own bright ideas. But we're saying, Lord, I need to do it your way. I need to do it with your strength. And I need your Holy Spirit to be with me at every time. You know, living our lives 24-7, you know, Joyce said, you know, the Lord said, are you always joyful? You know, are you always at peace? And uh, the answer is, not always. But the birthright of a believer is to live in joy, is to live in peace. I was just reading a psalm the other day, and I, um, I, I got, it says, um, if I am sleepless at midnight, I spend the hours in grateful reflection. Isn't that amazing? So that's Psalm 60. This is in the message. Put my glasses on, see if I actually said it right. Uh, I, if I am sleepless at midnight, I will spend the hours in grateful reflection. You see, I don't know whether you ever wake up at night. Uh, we wake up at night sometimes, but use your, use your waking creatively. Realize that God is with you. I, I find songs come into my mind. I don't sing them out loud if Joyce is fast asleep and she doesn't sing them out loud when I'm fast asleep. <laughs> we try to be gracious to each other, but you know, I find songs, in, there's a scripture that talks about songs in the night. God will give you songs in the night. And that whole sense that he's with you. Another verse, it was, I will, bless the, I will bless you every time I take a breath. That's what it says in Psalm 63 in the message transfer. I will bless you every time I take a breath. Well, we're thankful that we have breath. We're thankful we have health and strength. We just bless the Lord every day that he keeps us strong and well for both uh, Joyce that we have each other so many people are seeming to be promoted to glory and um, we don't feel we're ready for promotion yet (laughs) and uh, we've just moved house and um, we've moved into a smaller house we've got a very lovely environment with nice green space around us and uh, we just know that God's placed us there and we believe that we have a, a place of fruitfulness for the rest of our lives. The fact was that, uh, uh, I'm just about to finish, but here's uh, that regarding moving house. You know, we've had a big family house. We've been, we've been there for 34 years. And with our five children, we, you know, the, our five children are all married and got you know, the children, and we've got 18 grandchildren, and now we've got two of them married and another one about to be married. So you're getting all sorts of new people in your life. It's fun. It's great. Um, 
But uh, about 18 months ago, we were just with one of our families, our daughter in Guildford, we were just going out for a walk with the family afternoon. When we came back, uh, Joyce said to me, um, Coralie has bent my ear and said, it's time you moved. You need to get out of that big house and get to a smaller house. And Joyce thought, well, my daughter there telling me what to do. <laughs> she was right. And the Lord has been very gracious to us. We sold our other house. We bought this house. And uh, it's compact, but it's got all that we need. And uh, we've got spare bedroom for people to come and stay because people staying with us has been our life. And so, you know, God is good. And we, uh, we, we never, really, uh, never really had neighbours. I mean, we had neighbours, but we were in a kind of a busy old row where you never see anybody. We're at the end of a cul-de-sac now where we're getting to know these neighbours and there's a friend in us coming. We just sense there is a door opening and we're just praying that the Lord will make that good. Right, I'm going to round up. I wrote down here, It's not more trying, it's more dying. (laughs) So there you are. That's a phrase you can write on your whiteboard. It's not more trying, it's more dying. And Paul said uh, in 2 Corinthians, For when I am weak, then I am strong. And that is the key to it. And I just believe that what the Lord is saying, it, it happens to all of us. You know, we can have got into a, 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 a situation of trying, of allowing things to... We, I loved your message on fear, Judith. We, we, we uh, watched it, listened to it, and loved it. Because uh, fear can grip us at any moment in time. But you see... God gives us a way that he will defeat the fear. You have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And there's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out all fear. You know those scriptures. And the wonderful scripture that you were given, which was great, and uh, just one that sort of slightly, you know, left field. Suddenly God says, that's the word for you, and it's a word that's going to transform you. And so I just want us to pray and I just want us to really lay down things that have got in the way of this dynamic, spirit-filled, wonderful life that God has for every one of us. That's what is his, that's, it, it's for everyone. There's nobody um, missed out. God says, everyone, the power that I have, you may, you may look at your pastors, Judith and Andrew, and say, oh, they're full of life and power. That same power is available to you. You know, God is no respecter of persons. Every one of us can know that power flowing through our lives every day. When we're awake, we have his presence. When we're asleep, he's with us. 
when we're walking into uh, unknown situations, he's right there. When we have uh, awkward places, God is there. He will bring a word. He will be with you. So I just want to pray. Let's just pray. I just, every single one of you, I want you to pray. I want you to talk to the Lord in your heart. Father, we come to you and we declare that without you, we can do nothing. Father, we just lay aside striving. We lay aside all the plans and sort of kind of human ambitions that we have, some things that we may want. We just say, Lord, it's not my plans. It's your plans. Lord, I want to live resurrection life. Uh, we may well all have been baptized, but that whole sense of being, of leaving stuff at the bottom of the baptismal pool, as Joy shared that testimony, we leave at the bottom of the pool our self-reliance, our pride, our headstrong ideas, and we say, Lord, I just place them at your feet. I put them at the foot of the cross. I place these things at the foot of the cross. And I declare that I need your power. I need your presence. I need the power of your Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. And in, when it says it in Ephesians, it, being filled with the Spirit, it's a continuous day-by-day thing. We need to, in a sense, wake up in the morning and say, Lord, will you please fill me with your Spirit today? Because I want to rely on everything that you have. And I need you every moment of the day. I need you in my home. I need you in my work. I need you in my studies. I need you in my school. I need you in my college. I need you in my relationships. I cannot do this on my own. And I need you to fill me with your power. And Lord, I want to thank you that you're a miracle-working God. And if there's a healing need that you have, you just reach out and say, Lord, you are the mighty healer. Jesus Christ, the same, yesterday, today, and forever. He is there to meet your need. He is there to work in miraculous power. He is there to do what only he can do. Father, we just reach out to you, every single one of us. We reach out to you now. And we trust you to work with power and with all your ability by the power of your spirit in our lives today and every day and tomorrow and the day after. Lord, where we've been relying on our own energies, our own wisdom. Lord, please forgive us. 
But Lord, we just say to you today, you are all I need. I declare my total reliance upon you for every part of life. I have no power of my own. As Paul said, when I am weak, then I am strong. So Father, we just receive that from you now. We just thank you for what you're doing in our lives at this moment. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Kingdom Faith Southwest. For further information, log on to kingdomfaithsw.com.